NPR. Once in a while, Mitu Galati gets these phone calls. He's a law professor at the University of Virginia, and he specializes in a niche area of finance called sovereign debt. That's the money that governments borrow. Because there's so few of us, all three of us who work in the area are considered experts. And so whenever there is a question, one of us will get asked. And there's one question that Mitu has gotten asked a couple of times. Once, over a decade ago, when Greece was in a debt crisis. Then, two years ago, when Ukraine was invaded by Russia and needed money. Both times, Mitu got phone calls from people asking... Do you know about how to do diaspora bonds? Diaspora bonds. These are bonds that governments sell to people who live elsewhere but still feel a connection to their countries of origin. Enough of a connection to lend their home countries money. It's a fundraising tool that countries from India to Ethiopia have experimented with. But there's just one country that's raised billions of dollars through a long-running diaspora bond program. And that country is Israel. This is The Indicator from Planet Money. I'm Darren Woods. And I'm Waylon Wong. Today on the show, we look at the Israeli program to learn how diaspora bonds function as both an expression of patriotism and a financial investment. Plus, we see how Israel is using these bonds to fund its war with Hamas. Support for NPR and the following message come from Fisher Investments. VP Casey Ellis explains what their fiduciary duty looks like in practice. When you find a firm that is a fiduciary like Fisher Investments, you can at least rest assured that the recommendations, the client service, the fee structures... All of these sorts of things are really aligned with your best interests. Learn more at FisherInvestments.com. Investing in securities involves the risk of loss. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Teladoc Health. There are lots of reasons for wanting to be healthy. Family, work, living a fuller life. Teladoc Health understands. Whether you have diabetes, high blood pressure, or just need to manage your weight, Teladoc Health can help. Visit teledochealth.com slash what's your why for more information. That's T-E-L-A-D-O-C health slash what's your why. This message comes from Wondery. Hey, grownups, join the cat in the hat for a new podcast and weekly adventure. Listen to the cat in the hat cast early and ad free on Wondery Plus. Israel launched its diaspora bond program in 1951, just a few years after it became a state. The country needed money for infrastructure and development, and it was getting a chilly reception from Wall Street. So the government came up with a way to raise money from individual supporters living overseas, especially in the U.S. Then Prime Minister David Ben-Gurion went on an American tour to pitch a new kind of savings bond. We are embarking on a new and bold venture. Here, Ben-Gurion is speaking to the attendees of a dinner at the Waldorf Astoria Hotel in New York City. We are appealing to the people of this country to participate with us in the rebuilding of our homeland. This appeal was aimed at everyday people, not professional investors. These everyday people were members of Jewish communities all around the U.S. that strongly supported the state of Israel. And the way the Israeli diaspora bonds work today is pretty much how they worked back then. The bonds are sold in amounts as small as around $30. 
They expire in anywhere between 1 to 15 years. Some pay out interest in regular intervals, and others pay back their face value plus interest when they come due. The mechanics of the Israeli diaspora bonds are similar to U.S. savings bonds, if you've ever gotten one as a gift from a grandparent or something. And the Israeli bonds have also been marketed as a gift. In fact, Mitu Galati, the sovereign debt expert, was recently at a dinner party hosted by a friend of his wife's. This is a friend who happens to be an economist and whose children had been given these Israeli bonds. He was being polite and asking me what I was working on, and I can't resist talking about diaspora bonds. He said, those are totally useless. Our children were given a bunch of these, and we just put them in the basement. And I, I pulled out my computer, and I'm like, but that's not true. They're, they actually pay quite well. You had your computer with you at this dinner party? I, I know. I'm really such a geek. My wife was so horrified that I would try to talk about myself at a dinner that was clear. Clearly so not about my little research project. Mitu says there's this prevailing idea in policy circles that governments can use diaspora bonds to borrow money at a much cheaper interest rate than what they could if they went to international financial markets. The thinking is that governments get a patriotic discount because the buyers of diaspora bonds are motivated by loyalty and charity. They're not professional investors chasing big profits who might demand a high interest rate. Me Too and two other researchers recently released a paper that put this idea to the test. They looked at the rates for Israeli diaspora bonds between 2011 and 2024, and they compared those rates to standard Israeli government bonds. Those are the bonds that trade in financial markets and are typically bought and sold by big investment firms. And when Me Too and his colleagues dug into the numbers, they actually found the opposite. For most of the last 13 years, Israeli diaspora bonds have actually paid a slightly higher rate of interest than the country's standard government bonds. Most of the time, there is no patriotic discount, at least in the modern era. Instead, there's a patriotic premium. You have patriots who buy these bonds, you pay them more. The plan backfired. It's it's wild. I know, it's kind of a head-scratcher. There are just two main periods where this dynamic really flips and the payout on diaspora bonds gets a good deal lower. Both are instances in times of crisis. One is the start of the pandemic in 2020, and the second is after the Hamas attacks of October 2023. During both these emergency situations, Israel paid lower interest rates on its diaspora bonds. But the government banked on people still buying them out of a sense of solidarity. For Me Too, Israel's diaspora bond program represents an economic relationship that is neither all about charity nor all about profit, but a unique intersection of these two motivations. One of the many interesting things about this for me is is this idea of almost constructed reciprocity. In the good times, we'll pay you more than we pay other people because we love you more. But when things are really bad, you're going to help us out. Israel sold over $2 billion in diaspora bonds in 2023. That's more than double what it typically sells in a year. And almost half of that amount was purchased not by individual people, but by state and local governments in the U.S. Israel started tapping bigger institutional investors in the 90s. And after the Hamas attacks in October, the government made a special appeal to these buyers. Among U.S. states, Florida is the one purchasing the most diaspora bonds since October. Illinois has bought these bonds too. Michael Frerichs is the treasurer and he manages the state's investment portfolio. 
He says the Israeli bonds make good economic sense because Israel's never missed a payment and the bonds are considered low risk. And that's a priority when it comes to investing state money. We have been purchasing these Israel bonds for over 20 years. Uh, We get a good return. And so we were open to more purchases. But after the Hamas attack on Israel, we figured that they would be issuing more bonds. And we also wanted to show our support for an ally at a time of a terrorist invasion. Michael says Illinois bought $30 million in Israeli diaspora bonds after the Hamas attacks. That brings the state's total holdings of these bonds to about $85 million. And Michael says the state's purchase of these bonds didn't really get any pushback until the current war. His office has heard from people who oppose Israel's military action in Gaza. I let them know that we make these purchases and uh, that's not going to change. But I also reiterated that uh, an ally had been attacked by a terrorist organization and we were happy to support in that time. Israel's war with Hamas is squeezing the country's finances. The economy has shrunk and Israel's credit rating was recently downgraded. This will make it harder to borrow money in international markets just as the government plans to fund a huge increase in military spending. And so Israel may rely on financial support from Jewish communities more than ever. Ukraine is also in a funding crunch for its war efforts. Two years ago, Mitu Galati got a phone call from somebody wondering if Ukraine could tap loyal supporters in the U.S. to raise money for its defense. Nothing came of that conversation. But lately, with Congress at a standstill over funding Ukraine, MeToo's been getting phone calls again. This episode was produced by Cooper Katz-McKim with engineering by Josh Newell. It was fact-checked by Sierra Juarez and edited by Kate Kincannon. The Indicator is a production of NPR. In this country, some truths aren't self-evident. And NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, a collection of stories as wide-ranging and real as the people who tell them, we celebrate the Black experience for all its soul and richness. Search NPR Black Stories, Black Truths wherever you get podcasts. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Capella University. With Capella's FlexPath Learning Format, you can earn your degree online at your own pace and get support from people who care about your success. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu.